something like going into a float tank and first just sitting with yourself, right? That can be the most challenging part of somebody's life. Sitting in silence without any distractions can be completely unnerving to some people. Some of those things that you're just always pushing away and not necessarily giving the attention, the moment that we actually do quiet down our surroundings externally, those things surface. Okay, today's guest on the Gravity Podcast is Kimberly Lisk. Kimberly is the visionary and founder behind Ebb and Float. Kimberly's focus is on creating spaces for people to discover their highest potential and in doing so begin to change the world around them. The ripple effect through offering a variety of health and wellness modalities, both modern and ancient as time, Kimberly is passionate about creating a haven for those who crave more. We uh, have a great conversation and have the commonality of wanting to create space for people to feel better, to heal, to um, connect to something inside of them and, and um, really you know, feel better about uh, how they go about their life. So we talk about that and her practice and as always her history and journey towards the work that she's doing. And uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Thanks. Well, it's good to have you on the podcast. I'm glad that we could make this work. And yeah, I'm excited to hear more about your story and get a chance to spend some time getting to know you a little bit. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation. I love being here. I'm excited to see what's going to come up today in our conversation. Yeah, great. So why don't we start at the beginning? I'd like to just start with learning a little bit about you from you know, early childhood, your family, just, you know, kind of all the important factors of, of, you know, your early life. Mm. So my early life, I feel like I'm incredibly fortunate. I have an amazing family and it's one of those things. I, I think I grew up feeling like it was nothing other than complete and utter dysfunctional family. Mm. But in retrospect, when I look back, it was a great life. You mm. know, and I think that's one of the beautiful things that I love hanging on to actually is that, it's really our perspective of how we look at things that mm. really create our reality. And so I grew up with siblings and mom and dad that were separated. And so in a very small town, it always felt like we were not normal because of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just moments of feeling like, uh, yeah, just wanting to fit in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so definitely growing up, I had a lot of that, like, what can I do to fit in, right? All I want to do is fit in. I think that's incredibly normal, especially when you hit that state of middle school and high school and just really wanting to fit in. And the more I tried to fit in, the more I felt uncomfortable. The more I knew that, like, as I was looking around at the people around me, I was like, I don't connect with these people. They don't connect with me felt very surface. And I think as I've grown up, it's like, I'm pretty allergic to that feeling of like really surface level relationships. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So I'd like to just dig in a little bit on that with you because, you know, certainly perspective is something that, you know, is nice to have mm -hmm. that we get, you know, over time, but, you know, in the moment it can, it can be lost, mm -hmm. you know, for sure. When you're little, you don't have that perspective at all. So it's just, hard. So you said you're from a small town. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. And your parents separated. Mm -hmm. 
And it's it's you and who else in the family? Just tell me a little more. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I grew up with a family. I have a brother and sister, and I have two older half-brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up, going back and forth between households was always a struggle. Mm-hmm. I definitely grew up having, I think, a core father wound, right? Mm-hmm. That was like a story I really had that was adamant in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, like very close with my family, like my mother has always been my guiding light. She's mm-hmm. like one of the strongest women I know, one of the smartest women I know, always held space for us, always supported us. And so I always, I never grew up feeling unloved. Mm-hmm. I never grew up feeling like I didn't have a place. So again, very grateful to have a very safe family life. Yeah. And and yet though, the separation, you know, that's an interesting thing to have parents mm-hmm divorced, you know, at a young age, not as unique today, mm-hmm. but you know, when we were growing up, it was, yeah. and, and that was a very kind of isolating feeling mm-hmm. or, you know, this feeling of being, you know, abnormal in yeah. some way. I'm kind of curious because, you know, it sounds like you, you were feeling very loved. Mm-hmm. You were getting what you needed, but you were also feeling like you didn't fit in mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of, you know, curious to learn more about just like how that played out in your life. Like, what did that mean? What did you end up like doing with that? Yeah. So I feel like it was one of those things where I was a very vibrant child, had tons of personality. Mm -hmm. I was a character. I was the comedic, like comedian. Like I was definitely like full of energy. And then, yeah, I think when you hit that age of puberty and all of a sudden you just become aware that there's all these people around you Mm -hmm. and you start to feel like you're being judged and you have to like keep up a certain reputation or a certain, you know, you have to look this way or dress this way or be this way and, you know, fitting in and wanting to be liked by all of your peers. Right. And so I think I just found myself disassociating with like the core of who I truly was Mm -hmm. and just felt lost. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's really the answer. But I feel like for a good 10 years of my life, you know, from, you know, 15 up to like my mid twenties, just really feeling lost, mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. like I'd lost my path. I wasn't really sure what was supposed to be happening, but did all the things I was supposed to be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was incredibly fortunate um, after school where I had this opportunity to, I'm a licensed customs broker. And so that was the career route that I took. And so it was this amazing opportunity where after high school, I chose not to go to college, which was also full of shame. That mm-hmm. was very, it was like, I always grew up thinking like, of course I'm going to go to college. And then I really didn't have this like support from my family of like them also expecting that. Mm-hmm. And so when the time came, I just kind of realized like, oh, I haven't, I've, I've kind of floundered that. Like I don't have any actual opportunity to make that a reality. I haven't kept up with grades. I haven't researched things. Mm-hmm. And so essentially I graduated and didn't go to school. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's really funny to even think back about that and remember like the shame that that felt like as mm-hmm. all of my friends, there's this immediate separation as they're all moving on and doing that thing that we're all supposed to do. And I haven't. Mm-hmm. However, I did have this amazing job uh, that created this really specific industry. It was, you know, after the 9-11 situation where customs started cracking down on imports, exports, and essentially all these companies really then had to have like someone on their team to really depend, like to be dependable for what's coming and going, who to contact, knowing all the regulations. And 
it was one of those things that actually gave me a lot of pride to have that information, to like be able to learn and study something that very few other people knew. Mm-hmm. And to all of a sudden, like be in this position of like people coming to me older mm-hmm. than me, right? Like this, this total, like I'm young, right? I'm in my very early twenties and I'm like running an entire logistics department as like a very large corporation. And it's like, wow, this is very interesting. But it gave me a lot of pride. Mm-hmm. It like was something that I was able to be proud in. It was something I was able to understand and know and able to relay. And I think through that dynamic of working in the corporate world, there were all of these tools that I learned, right? I Mm -hmm. learned how to conduct meetings. I learned how to conduct research. I learned how to communicate. I learned how to, a lot of inner workings of just business in general. Mm -hmm. And then through most of that, there was this point where the excitement started to dull Mm -hmm. because ultimately I realized I got to this point where I was like, I don't care. I don't care about any of this. This is kind of like very boring. This is not actually like exciting my soul. Yeah. I want to hear about that. And and before we move forward, I want to just understand a little bit, you know, the back to the kind of 15 year old self that was feeling this lost, you know, that you had didn't have a purpose. And and then, you know, into graduating from high school and then straight into this profession you know, tell me a little bit more about like, well, what did that look like to be lost? And, mm. you know, I'm wondering, you know, the shame piece, you know, to have people going to college and, mm-hmm. and you making the decision not to, or mm-hmm. didn't feel like you had the, you know, I'll let you insert the words to actually go do something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of curious just to unpack that a little bit more to hear more about what that looked like, what that felt like, what that was really like for you. Cause I'm sure there's other people out there that, you know, also have had that experience or are having it. So yeah, share a little more. Ooh, if we're going to go back to those years, I mean, I feel like I was crying for help in a lot of different ways. During high school, I was making a lot of decisions that were not great, mm-hmm. you know, really getting involved in different crowds where I was just trying to explore possibilities, a lot of numbing, Mm -hmm. you know, really just kind of like getting lost in like a party scene, Mm -hmm. really just to check out, you know, I was just doing things that weren't supporting me, but it was like a looking for those answers that I was missing. Yeah. I feel like there was always this part of me that just felt like everybody else knew what was going on and everyone else like knew how to be. And I didn't, Mm -hmm. I felt like for some reason I had, I was just missing something that everyone else did. So I was just constantly searching for that. And like I said, in in ways of like creating an outlet for that. So just making a lot of really negative decisions during my younger years in order to find that. And I remember also feeling like, you know, there's these two different crowds that I was running with. One that was like, you know, checking out and just kind of like also in the same, like just we're all looking for some sort of answers. And I didn't really resonate with that group because Mm -hmm. it was like there wasn't anything there. And then like going back to just like friends at school that I wanted to accept me, but at the same level, wasn't really fitting in there. So I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I had this great opportunity where I was pretty much friends with everybody at my school. That's the nice thing about being in a small town is you do know everybody. So you have a ton of different options to like connect with people. And I just didn't have it. Mm -hmm. So it was just very alienating to feel that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, made a lot of decisions. And I look back and go, those were a lot of risks that I was taking during that time but have complete compassion for like why I was doing those things. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I could definitely say that it was from where I had nothing but love from my family. Probably not a ton of like 
ongoing support. So just like looking for it, crying mm-hmm. for it, mm-hmm. like testing the board, like testing the boundaries, right? Like what can I get away with? Mm-hmm. Also somewhat of a stubborn person. So just being told what to do. A lot of times I rebelled against that also, which mm-hmm. led me to, you know, make decisions that I was supposed not supposed to be making anyways. Right. But at the end of it, aside from just the job, like I was gifted with the most beautiful opportunity at the age of 19 when I became pregnant. Mm -hmm. And if that was not the biggest wake up call that I needed to just feel like I had a purpose in this life, like Mm -hmm. I received it then. Mm -hmm. And so it was one of those things where I actually gave birth very young Mm -hmm. and it gave me everything I was looking for. That Mm -hmm. was why this career supported me, right? I was like, okay, all of a sudden I'm responsible now, right? Like I have this other life I have to be responsible for. Mm -hmm. I have this love, right? This like really intimate love Mm -hmm. that like, yes, I have love for my parents, but like a love from a child is just something that like, you know, you're as a father, you Mm -hmm. know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a lot of purpose. So I think that was a big step for me where I went from like feeling like I didn't have purpose to feeling like I know what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. I can show up now. I'm, I'm here to level up. I'm here to like make something of my life. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, so you were 19 when you had your daughter. daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that'll force you to, to grow up pretty fast yeah. and, and put things in perspective mm-hmm. pretty quickly. And it sounds like you embrace that, you know, that it was something that you felt very, you know, drawn to, called mm-hmm. to. And and yeah, I think that's what you would hope. But, you know, you're 19, so a lot of 19-year-olds might not process it that way. They might be, you know, resentful or, you know, too immature or mm-hmm. ill-equipped to actually be a mom. Mm-hmm. But you you stepped into that role pretty quick. It felt like it was like what you were meant to be doing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, as I look back on it now, the way I think I felt in that in that I can recognize now is that I love a challenge. Mm -hmm. I love an opportunity. And I think if I actually look back at it, Mm -hmm. that's what it gave me. It gave me an opportunity Mm -hmm. where I could do whatever I wanted to. Right. I had, you know, it's a fork in the road. I can make, you know, whatever decision, whether it's immature or I could really step up into like the powerful life force that this is that Mm -hmm. I get to foster and I get to be a part of and I get to be a role model and I get to have a purpose. And that was the direction I took. And, and yeah, it's, it's, you know, striking to me because I can see how now at this point in your life, how you could process it all that way. Mm -hmm. You could, you could, you know, look at it from this adult place and, you know, see how it all served Mm -hmm. you and how it allowed for you to step up Mm -hmm. and give you purpose. I'm a little bit uh, just thinking of, you know, most 19 year olds, I know I have, you know, kids around that age and you know, I can't imagine that how you were thinking that way at that time, Mm -hmm. you know, was it at all like anything else other than just like, this is it, I'm ready? No, it gave me a lot of personal pride. Like it was literally Uh like, I remember kind of geeking out the first time I got a house and I was like, did this entire budget or like got my own place, not a house. Like the first time I rented a place Mm -hmm. was on my own. I got to like decipher like, okay, this is how much money I make. And these are my responsibilities for my bills. And this is what I have. Like it actually was very exciting to me. It was very Mm -hmm. rewarding. I remember feeling that. I remember just almost having this like, this is part of why I rebelled because I always knew that like I had it within me. I just Mm -hmm. didn't have the requirement to like step up during my childhood years. But as soon as it became like, it's on me, like I'm going to, I am an adult now, like if not going to college, 
continue that process. Like, yeah, I'm an adult now. And I feel like I really did step into it. I remember being excited mm. about those like small little nuances of what responsibility looked and felt like. It mm -hmm. actually, it actually made me feel really good. Yeah, great. And, and was that also then part of the, the reason why you chose to go into professional career and not college or were those two things separate? You know, I think, I think it was separate. I yeah. think like not going into the college career was actually just feeling like it was always the plan. And when I didn't fully have that, like almost like most parents push their kids into that and that's why they show up for it. And I didn't really have anyone pushing me into it. I just had this like societal norm of like, mm. of course, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. But based on the decisions that I was making through high school, when I finally got to like my senior year, it was like my grades aren't checking out for that. Yeah. You know, I'm not researching colleges. I don't have anyone pushing me in that mm -hmm. direction. And that's when I just started to feel like, oh, I, I don't know what this is going to look like. Mm. You know, I don't know what this is going to look like as soon as I graduate and as soon as I, you know, have nothing to lean back on anymore. What is this going to turn into? Mm -hmm. um, so I look back and I'm really grateful for that position that I had that I really was able to step into and grow. Mm -hmm. How did that job come to you? It was a, yeah, it was a, my senior year. I was part of a corporate office education program where okay. basically halfway through the day, your senior year, you got to go to an office. Yeah. And so at the beginning, it was just an administrative job. Surprisingly, like this amazing company was just like in my small town and they worked with mm. all these corporations. And so at first it was just like a part-time high school job. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I graduated, when they knew I wasn't attending college, they asked if I wanted to stay full-time. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Mm. So, you know, as soon as I graduated, I immediately walked into a full-time job, immediately moved out, immediately started supporting myself. Mm -hmm. And it was just sink or swim. It was just like something that actually really excited me having a person at mm. purpose after having so many years of just like no idea what was going on. It was something I could step into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, just reading a book, it's about a hospice nurse, and she had a similar experience where she got pregnant, I think, her freshman year mm -hmm. in college. And she was talking a lot about how life changed and kind of curious about like what it was like now. You know, you go from high school and, you know, party scene or, you know, under your parents' roof. Mm -hmm. Now you have, uh, you know, a child, a job. Mm -hmm both at the same time, you know, was that difficult to be a, you know, young working mother? Yes and no. I think it was difficult feeling the separation from my peers. So somewhat alienating in that, but my daughter gave me like so much of what I wanted, like really, truly just gave me like purpose for the first time in my life. So I really leaned into it. I leaned into feeling important in a career, right? Okay. So now they're, they need something done. I did it. Right. So it's like, I literally just had this like personal recognition and even external recognition that made me feel really good. Mm -hmm. I had this feeling of responsibility, that feeling of responsibility. I'm a Capricorn. So it's like mm -hmm. that it's like doing those kinds of things, like actually like gave me a lot of like pride. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, having, having my daughter was just the most beautiful, important thing of my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, just gave me a sense of purpose that nothing else ever has the same way or probably ever could. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, uh, I feel the same way about being a father. I adore my kids. I, you know, loved being a dad from day one and, you know, when they were little and not sleeping and like requiring a lot and, you know, that was mostly falling on my wife mm -hmm. and I was trying to figure out my life and career and start a business. Like 
it was hard, you know, like it wasn't like, yeah, purpose, you know, I loved it and I didn't want to be doing anything else, but it was still very hard, but I don't hear that from you. No. And I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. I think I, you know, from the beginning, my mom told me that, you know, the, the, the days are long, but the years are short. Right. And I think I embraced a lot of that. So I didn't feel like I struggled with it. I felt like I fully embraced it. It was like what I was meant to be doing. It gave me the purpose I was looking for. I had support from my kid's father. We're not together at the time, but we were together for a very long time. So I had support there. Mm -hmm. I had support from my family. And just like at my core, like I felt like I had meaning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it was. And I think that lit me up in a way that just kept unfolding into everything thereafter. Good for you. It's great. Okay. So tell me, you start to feel like you don't have purpose now in this job after having done it for a few years. You're feeling like, you know, what am I doing? What happens? What's next? So basically just getting to a point of like, I can keep doing this job, but I I feel like I'm just going through the motions, right? I'm I'm showing up, I'm doing what I need to do, but I've kind of lost the excitement of digging into things and like providing this next opportunity, this next project or this next thing that we should be doing or like really giving direction and really taking ownership of it and just kind of really falling into the routine of it Mm -hmm. and realizing that like, this isn't what I want to do. Like there's so much more. And I think because of that loss of excitement, started sitting at my desk listening to podcasts. Podcasts were a huge outlet for me mm-hmm. because that's the part of it too is like I even though I had all this purpose and I had this love, I was still very alienated because basically after leaving high school, I didn't have a ton of friends, mm-hmm. right? So I had my kids, I had my family, but I really didn't have this external circle of friends that I could connect with. I wasn't going out. I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out. I just, I didn't have that in my life. So it was very isolating where, yeah, I had love through my family, but like there wasn't anything that I was enjoying outside of that. And so I started listening to podcasts and they were a huge pivotal thing for me because all of a sudden I was this fly on the wall for these really thought provoking conversations of intelligence and ideas and just feeling really excited. I remember just feeling like, how do I find people like this? Like, Mm. how do I, where are these people, right? Why do they exist in these other cities? And um, I think it just really started opening up things that I was interested in. Who were you listening to? Oh gosh. I think one of the, the first podcast I started listening to was the Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Dave Asprey, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, I had some childhood friends that I grew up with that had a very similar walk of life as I did, separated parents. We were very close. And at a young age, they ended up moving out to California where their father lived. And they just started living this explosive life, like this life of purpose, this life of excitement, this life of vision and creation. And uh, they just started showing me, like, I just remember having these thoughts of like, if they can do that, then I can do that. Mm -hmm the same as I am, right? It, it actually like brought that so much closer to a, instead of like just hearing it and feeling like, you know, those opportunities are only available to someone else somewhere else. I saw people that I knew doing that. Mm-hmm. And so they were in, they were huge expanders for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think they brought that feeling closer to home to me where I was like, I think I can do something. I think I can create something. Mm-hmm. And Similarly, just started exploring, you know, I think once you get down the podcast rabbit hole, you, you know, listen to one person, you get really excited about a certain interview and you go start following here and Mm -hmm. you just go down the rabbit hole. And uh, shortly thereafter, I was listening to a podcast where 
this hippie came on and just started talking about floating. And I just remember every like hanging on every word that he was talking about. Mm -hmm. It was like music to my ears. Mm -hmm. Everything that he was saying was like, that's what I'm looking for. Mm. There is some Do you remember who it was? It was Kevin Johnson. Okay. And so he's been pivotal in the floating community mm -hmm. for almost the beginning of the community back mm -hmm. in the 80s. And just literally felt everything inside me come alive. Mm -hmm. I feel like as I was sitting at my desk for a few years, I was just looking for something else, right? Like what else can I do, right? If what what excite me? If I if I'm not in a corporate job, like what do I do? And I didn't I didn't know what that answer was. I didn't have mm -hmm. anything else to fall back on. So I was just patiently listening to podcasts, keeping my mind open, like just waiting for something to come to me that would really just like that I knew would like be my thing. And as soon as I heard like what he was speaking of about it, I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. I went and had my first float experience. Phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Really just dropped in to a most amazing state of bliss and awareness and coming back and just being like, what was that? Mm -hmm. Where was I just at? I've never experienced that before. What is that? Mm -hmm. Continue floating, continue to have like an avid practice, had to like drive an hour away just to make it a possibility. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely just kind of started researching more about it, you know, just became like a junkie, like listening to podcasts about it. In my old job, I would travel quite a bit. So anytime I'd go to a new city, I'd look up the float center, you know, that was local as soon as mm -hmm. possible, go in. Always had these incredible experiences, these warm welcomes. You know, everyone there was always like so cool to talk to and mm -hmm. open-minded. And you just be in this blissed out state of relaxation and just feeling at peace. Mm -hmm. So it's just like so different than the way we like operate out of our lives of just like always being available to just being present. It was a really beautiful experience. And yeah, just slowly started piecing together, like, what would this look like if I did this? And I remember having a, a pivotal moment of, you know, really taking a, a look at what I was doing in my career, knowing I wasn't happy and knowing that like, yeah, I could shake this up a little bit and I could go, we'll go work for another company, right? That'll be exciting. I'll have new challenges. I'll have like a new, you know, I'll, I'll have to like show up again. But I was like, nothing's wrong with the company I work for. I'll just be, I would just be chasing like one thing for another excitement. And in 10 years, that's not where I want to be. So if I actually like just start implementing all of my effort into creating something new, that's where I'll be in five years or mm -hmm. 10 years or whatever that looks like. And it was, it was probably in all honesty, like a, a five year, four to five year process. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a fast turnaround. It wasn't something that, you know, was a snap of the fingers. It was just, it was a lot of slow um, intentional focus towards something that kept bringing me more and more excitement in my mm -hmm. life. Interesting. And, uh, and what point then did you decide or start even just to think about it, that this was something you wanted to turn into a career? It was when my, so my friend that was the expander, he actually worked at Bulletproof very early on. So he was mm -hmm. like one of the first, you know, employees there just as the company was growing. And he invited me, I was traveling out in California and he invited me to the Bulletproof conference that they mm -hmm. have and went to the the whole expo center. And it was just full of these entrepreneurs who had mm -hmm. these ideas and they were just there living their best life, sharing mm -hmm. their excitement. And there was just something about being engulfed in that like 
people just making things happen for themselves that it was when I got home from that weekend, that very first Monday thereafter, I just dedicated every single hour of my lunch hour towards making that a reality. Mm. I remember the very first week, the very first Monday I got home, I picked up the phone and I called a float tank manufacturer and started asking questions. Mm-hmm. And then the next you know, Tuesday after that, I called a center that I'd been to and just started talking to the owner. Mm-hmm. And then I'd call a sauna company. I mean, I just literally just started every single day making time to learn more about it to really understand what this would look like Mm -hmm. and so it was just day by day step by step like week after week after month after year dedicating time to it and and one of the things i'm curious about and i think it would be helpful for the audience to hear you you know clearly you develop a passion for a product Mm -hmm for something that you yourself were were doing and getting benefit from. And I think a lot of people don't connect the dots between things that we love, things that we're passionate about, things that we're using and enjoying and getting benefit from, and then making the jump into turning that into a business. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, knowing that, you know, you've shared, you didn't come from a background of, you know, college education or academic success, or even necessarily believing, you know, at a young age that that was, this was part of your path, being an entrepreneur. And I get that you're inspired by seeing other people do it. That Mm -hmm. certainly was super helpful for me too. But then when you start to actually get into the nuts and bolts of like, okay, how do I buy these, you know, pieces of equipment and rent this space and then figure out how to, you know, chart, what do I charge for it? And, and, you know, how do I make money and how do I pay myself? And then I might need staff and how do I do that? And insurance and all the things, right? Like, there's a lot there that, you know, oftentimes just stops people mm-hmm. from taking that step. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, kind of how you were thinking about all, all of that stuff and how you did make the decision to, to make the leap. So I think it wasn't that big of a leap for me because I think I can proudly say now that I'm a third generation entrepreneur. And so I don't think I ever looked at it that way. It was just something that someone said recently. I was like, oh, that's right. Like, actually, I I like I have entrepreneurs in my family. My grandfather started a a small business. And so I grew up in a small business environment where both my mother and father worked even after the divorce. So I got to see like a small business life from both perspectives of my mother and my father. Mm -hmm. Uh, During my high school years, my father started his own company. And so same thing, I got to see his work ethic and what it looked like to get up every single day, go in, working late hours, putting everything into it. And so I don't think I gave it enough attention or respect growing up. I didn't really think twice about it. But I think once I got into that point of like wanting to do that, it was really for me the momentum of actually, I know a lot of people that do this. And it was just something inside of me of like, they can do it. Why can't I? It just gave me this like own personal validation that like I'm worth that and Mm -hmm. I can do that. And yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, even though I had like a, a few of these tools that I'd picked up from like being in the corporate world, um, I think I just had enough motivation to want to make something happen. And honestly, if I'm going to look back and look at it, I still have no idea what I'm doing and how I'm even making this happen. There's just like this op- this other part of me mm-hmm. that just lights up and I look at it in awe all the time. Mm-hmm. How are these things happening? What is this going on? Right. And mm-hmm. I think I think it's something 
internally that is just a drive that sometimes I I question like, well, where are we even going? What are we doing with this? How is this happening? But it's it's there and it's incredibly powerful. And from really just getting a lot of joy out of conquering problems. I think I'm a problem solver at nature. It's just mm. like, it's so rewarding at the end of it. Mm. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur that you have to have that mindset, right? Like, because you're going to have more stress than anything else you're going to take on by owning a business. Cause it's never ending. It's 24 seven. It's this, a lot of delusional idea about the flexibility and the money. And when you get into it, you're just, you're under it's, it's, it's thick and it's a swamp and you just have to like get through all of it. Mm. But it's these like little micro rewards through it that make it all worth it. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just share with the audience for those that maybe don't know exactly then, you know, the business starts out as, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, kind of how it's evolved into what it is today. Yeah. So I began, I founded Ebb and Float and initially it was a float center. So floating is exactly what it sounds like. It's floating in water. There's over a thousand pounds of Epsom salt in it. You're in a soundproof, lightproof environment that helps you float effortlessly. And so within that space, you're able to shut out all the external stimuli that we're constantly responding to and just fade away into like a complete sensory relief experience. And from there, what happens is unique every to every individual, to every float session, but it's a very serene environment to disconnect from the outer world and truly just go inwards. And so it started out as a float center and Additionally, we added saunas to it at the very beginning. We just had one sauna. And the idea of that was like, I really liked a sauna. You know, I'm sure at some point a few other people are going to enjoy it as well. So we added a sauna and very quickly it transformed and began to like, it turned into floating. And then it turned into, I think within three months of opening up, we added multiple saunas to our space because the demand was there. Now today we have four float tanks three infrared saunas, a cold plunge, and also offer massage therapy. And it has just been a beautiful growth of a business that I really couldn't have understand at its infant idea of what it would have been. And basically, I think that what that has been is just like through the evolution of the years, just showing up for the demand and what people are looking for and what they're, what they want to get out of it. And aside from the services that we offer about a year and a half into opening we started getting inquiries for holding events and so we started holding sound baths and we started holding cacao ceremonies and we started holding these really beautiful events that gave opportunity for people to come in and connect on a really deep level and that has probably been the biggest thing that has lit my soul on fire Mm -hmm. that i never would have imagined because i think ultimately like I think ebb and flow was a result of me looking for something. And in return, it actually ended up being a space other people were also able to find themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we hold space for at ebb and flow is an opportunity for people to really discover their highest potential, right? Like remove all of the external expectations of societal demands and really just like hone in on like, why am I here? What am I here to do? What, what, am, what is my purpose? How do I connect with people? And that's really what I think it's evolved into. Yeah, I think it's great. It's interesting, you know, just the evolution and, and how that has, you know, opened up and shifted. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's really important to have modalities 
like the ones that you're offering, you know, here at Gravity, we try to also meet people where they are and find ways in to get people to shift and connect and find some part of themselves that wants to come out. And, and it can be, you know, in any way. And, and oftentimes I think in the big, deep ways, it can be intimidating for, for most people. Even something like, you know, therapy could be hard for somebody to commit to or open up to. And so, you know, getting in a sauna um, or, you know, in a cold plunge or in a float tank, I mean, those things also can be incredibly challenging and, and extremely healing. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes people think of them, you know, maybe from a physical standpoint or, they kind of come at it from a place of, you know, hearing a podcast, a, you know, a hacker, mm-hmm. right? They're not necessarily coming into it from this therapeutic place, but they're being drawn to it, mm-hmm. you know, nonetheless. And it opens up from there. It can open up, you know, as it has for you, mm-hmm. right? I mean, your intention coming into this wasn't where it's ended up, right? It just keeps opening and evolving. And Mm -hmm. I imagine it'll continue to do that, especially as the world has come your way. So I think it's, it's really great and important, you know, that not everybody is going to go to, you know, the jungle and take ayahuasca, you know, nor should they, right. But to have a place where you can find some of that awareness and bliss and, you know, move some energy and emotion is, is, is critical. Yeah, I think you hit on a really important part there, and that's that we hold space for everybody, regardless of which part of their path that they're in or why they're being called to our services. So there is a wide spectrum of why people use any of our services, and it can be for a very simple relax and relaxation, right? Stress relief. Everyone's stressed out, right? And so all of the modalities that we offer, they give people a break from a stressful life, right? An opportunity to just relax, just drop down, regulate the nervous system a little bit. All of the services that we offer are incredible for physical pain and recovery purposes, right? So we have a huge audience that maybe they are dealing with fibromyalgia. Maybe they're involved in fitness or some sort of physical activity that requires recovery, and they all offer that. I'd say also just like being alone, all of our services, like you're pretty much in a room by yourself. A couple of them, you have an opportunity to bring somebody in there with you if you choose, but most of them, it's just like an isolated service by yourself. In which case, I think also just without any of the external distractions gives people an opportunity to even step into the creative state, right? It's almost like when you get into the shower and like you're no longer consumed by everything and you just have these creative ideas that will pop up, right? But also at the other end of it is all of them offer this opportunity to kind of like tiptoe into altered states of consciousness. Mm. And that's, I think, where the really beautiful, profound work can be done. Uh, Altered states of consciousness are as old as mankind. We've been playing around with them, whether it's shamanic drumming, going into a dark cave of silence for an extended period of time. Like humans have been forever playing around with altered states of consciousness more prevalent right now is the, like you mentioned, plant medicines and psychedelics, giving people that opportunity. And I know that there's a lot of attention and a lot of like 
stories that sound profound and it draws a lot of people in and that's incredible and just like you said it's not for everybody and mm -hmm. it might not be the right time for everyone to jump right into that mm -hmm. so something like going into a float tank and first just sitting with yourself right that can be the most challenging part of somebody's life sitting in silence without any distractions can be completely unnerving to some people mm -hmm. And so that is one of the things, too, that we remind our staff, first and foremost, is just the vulnerability that people that as soon as they walk into the door, they're putting themselves into that vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. So like we hold this sacred space to honor that for them mm -hmm. for whatever reason they are, because if they are here to do that, and even if they're not here to do it, sometimes some of those things surface, right? Mm -hmm. Some of those things that you're just always pushing away and not necessarily giving the attention, the moment that we actually do quiet down our surroundings externally those things surface. You know, oh, yeah. I'm sure if you've been in a massage and all of a sudden this emotion arises or, mm -hmm. you know, you're in silence and you have that memory. And so, yeah, I think it gives a lot of people an opportunity to, we address a lot of different opportunities to come in and experience the services. So it's a, it's a wide variety of like what someone might get out of it. Interesting. And I'm curious about, you know, kind of how you see the, uh, you know, continued opening expansion of what you're doing you know you're doing the events and you know moving into things like sound baths and cacao ceremonies mm -hmm. and you know curious as to you know what the what the future looks like too if you have you know some idea of where things are headed it's very exciting yeah i'm very excited about the evolution of ebb and float and where it's going to turn into um, like i said the community aspect of it was nothing that i ever saw coming years ago mm -hmm. But just being open to the possibilities, it has opened up an opportunity to hold a greater space for that, where we can have ongoing events, ongoing opportunities for people to come and connect. Currently, we are working on a space that's very close proximity to Ebb and Flow that'll mm -hmm. kind of be like an annex where, you know, after you've been here and you've gone through these services, like go over there, right? Get a really intentional elixir drink. Maybe mm -hmm. you work with some cacao, which is if people are not aware of that. It is a, also a beautiful plant medicine, mm -hmm. but not a psychedelic one. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a plant medicine that really has a lot of very beautiful, subtle energy mm -hmm. that by drinking and consuming it with intention can relax the mind and expand, relax the body and expand the mind. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it's a very heart opening medicine. And so it just kind of puts people into this very, slow altered state that it's not like you're feeling psychedelic or you feel like you don't have a control but you're just very open and aware mm -hmm. so it brings a lot of presence into people's lives and so i think that's our that's our goal is to like okay you do one good action right what do you could follow it up with right and so what that looks like for us is opening up a space where we have a lot of these intentional elixirs available and it's a it's a lounge space right, right. it's a place where you can come and go where you don't have to go out to a restaurant or you don't have to drink or you don't have to like take other substances you're going to wake up not feeling great from, but you can have like really deep connections with other people. Uh, something I believe in profoundly is that human connection, connection is the currency of the future. Mm. And I think it's something that is with the way society is right now with the online communities that we have they're great they offer a lot of opportunities there are beautiful moments of connection but there's nothing that will ever replace human connection eye-to-eye mm -hmm. -eye connection heart-to-heart mm -hmm. -heart connection right feeling somebody's actual energy and being in their presence mm -hmm. and so really just holding space for that for more people to experience that because similarly to like 
one point the way I felt very isolated. That's what it can do. You know, when somebody starts making one action of, I want something greater or better in my life, essentially what they're doing is they're shifting and turning away from things in their life that no longer make them feel great. And sometimes that's people. Sometimes that's friends. Sometimes that's childhood friends. Sometimes that's family members, right? So as you begin to shift that dial, right, like one turn at a time, all of a sudden you feel isolated. You Mm -hmm. feel alienated. You feel like I'm the best version of myself, but who am I sharing this with? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for you to be able to find other people who are also interested in that similar lifestyle that you can connect with and continue to expand and continue to mirror each other and continue to grow and evolve together as a community. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately that's what we are. We're like our greatest mirrors to other people. And it's Mm -hmm. like, how do we lean into that? How do we get that support? How do we get that inspiration? Because it's hard to do it by by yourself. It's part of what I involve in my daily life is looking for inspiration. Mm. Who is inspiring me? Like that's what I want to provide input that I'm looking for. Gold in, gold out, right? Mm. Where if it's fear in, it's fear out. So it's like, what do you, I think it's whatever you take in is what you're going to like reflect outside of you. That's the perception. That's the reality that you're able to create. And I think the more that you're able to connect with other people who are also looking for that, the ripple effect is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. One of the things that just kind of hit me, which, which uh, it does often on this podcast, but it, it's a good reminder of, of kind of one of my deepest held beliefs, which is that you can use your entire life and all of its challenges and difficulties and, and, you know, hardships to create um, something for you and for others, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately it's really for others, but it can be healing in the process. And so it, that's kind of what I hear, you know, you've done. There was something in your life that you long for. There was a feeling that, you know, you you didn't like, you didn't want it to be who you were and what your life was. And so here you are now, you know, all these years later, creating the very thing that you always wanted for yourself. And and, you know, that is not a selfish thing because you're never alone, right? You know, we're, we're sort of all after the same things, or at least, you know, there are many others who are longing for the same thing. And so that's what you're creating. Mm -hmm. And, and that's perfect. You know, I think that's exactly how we're supposed to use our lives, not let them, you know, take us down, but, but use it as incredible embodied learning to create and ultimately to create, you know, in service of others. So Ooh, that yeah. reminds me of the the term wounded healer, right? right? I think that's what really what a lot of us embody. Like we we work towards the very like the healing of the very core wound that we have. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like we're unaware of it initially, but the closer and closer we get to it, the the more healed we become as individuals. Mm-hmm. And then in return, we're beginning to offer that same space and opportunity for those around us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what it evolved into. I never really saw it as that, nor at the beginning did I ever see myself as wounded. I knew what I wanted, right? But it was like in in pursuing that, I received my healing. Mm-hmm. And in by doing that, I then show up as that opportunity for others to see that that as well to mm-hmm. see that opportunity to receive that opportunity to be a part of that as well and i think that's what we're all looking for absolutely and tell me you know just as we start to wrap up you know you talked about you know inspiration i'm curious today what modalities who's inspiring you what podcasts are you listening to just share kind of you know what's been you know moving you lately oh. 
yeah, my, my personal practices, I take very serious. I don't know who I am without those practices. A lot of that starts with a morning practice of intentionality. It used to be a meditation practice, mm -hmm. but really it's an activation practice for me at this point. It's really like waking up each morning in complete and utter gratitude, finding things that I am grateful for. I have a very deep, spiritual connection with with great spirit and constantly are relying and falling back onto the hands of this sacred universe that we have. I have a very deep um, belief and that we all came here for a purpose, whether we like it or not. And really, ultimately, it's our responsibility to remember that. And I think that's what a lot of it is, is like we go through the dark and it's like it's that really hard work that we do through the dark that shines in the light. And so it's like once we're able to remember why we're here everything starts to come into place. And so my morning practice is a very pivotal part of that. As far as podcasts go, I think I consume a lot of spiritual and healthy mindset podcasts. Some of my favorites are, let's see, the Luke, St Luke Story Lifestylist podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I listen to Wake the Fake Up, which is incredible. So yeah, regularly consuming very positive information and and expanding on knowledge that learning i'm always learning leaning on those around me you know the my children that i have they're my greatest teachers in life and so i think that's the other thing i've been really blessed to have some pivotal teachers show up i do believe that like as a student of life which is what i'll always be that i've had some teachers show up and i'm really ready to receive their medicine and within that, it's like looking at everything in life as medicine, you know, like this journey that we're on, like this, to study this life as it is as a student is so incredibly beautiful. And to see pretty much each and everything that we do as medicine, right? Like what, what can I learn out of this? What can I grow through this? What, you know, how can I become a better person through this? Mm, that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, you are certainly living the walking the walk and, you know, it's great to hear a little bit more about your story and and where you've landed and and where you're going you know i am excited to see how things continue to evolve with the community that you're building and it's great to have it here in columbus like you i've you know sort of run around the country chasing stuff that didn't exist here so it's awesome that there's places like ebb and float and communities like yours here because there's a demand for it here people need it you mm -hmm. know everywhere not just in california so yeah. uh yeah i love it thank you for taking the time to to share your story today and yeah it's good to, good to be with you yeah like i said before thank you so much i appreciate the opportunity really grateful to be here and the future is bright yeah. good thank you thank you thank you for listening to the gravity podcast please subscribe to the show at apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts to learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at The Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.